What's up, people? We are back. We are back for the show, and I am your host. The host. That's it. Juicy D. And I'm here to carry on the conversation we was having last week. You know, just a little bit of a, what we're looking forward to in 2020. But this week's a little bit different. I mean, last week I was trying to talk about some music and some films that I might have been interested in. But I don't know, this time I just did a little bit of looking and tried to see if there was if there was anything interesting that I could talk about what's coming up in 2020 that's not specifically about music entertainment all of that so but the first thing yeah first thing i want to mention is a new thing that i seen coming out the new phone that i seen is likely to come out in this year the um the motorola razor series x does anybody remember what this does anybody remember this? Okay. Well, I do. Well, I don't know if... I, re- I mean, I remember it. I remember the phone. I don't know if I... I don't think I ever had one. I was probably too young. But it's a flip phone. It's a flip phone. One of those phones. The flip, you know, you put flip, flip down, hang up, flip. It's a flip phone. Every, we all know what a flip is. But this is a new one. This is a new flip phone for the new generation. A modern... A modern flip phone, you know, that you flip it closed. There's a screen on the front, on the, on the little small folded over section. You flip it open, boom, it's full screen. It's a full screen, touch screen. And it looks actually pretty interesting. When I first heard about it, I thought this is going to be ugly and shit. And it's not going to work properly. But from looking at it, from seeing, I don't know, just people holding it and just looking at it, it looks kind of sexy. That shit look sexy, you know. <laughs> that shit does. It looks good, and it looks like it handles pretty good as well. It folds up, so it's very compact. Small, small phone. It's it's kind of thin. It's not the fattest phone, but I wanted to talk about this because it's gonna shake up. It's going to shake up the um, smartphone industry, especially because you look at uh, what they're, they're trying to do folding phones now. So obviously this flip phone is kind of a phone. It's not a folding phone, though. It's just a, a new version of an old phone. Obviously, they're trying to do the folding phone thing where it's just almost like a, a big thing and you can fold it up when you're done and put it in your pocket. And they have those. They've made them. They're shit. They have those. They've made them. They are shit. So, all you all, all you gotta look forward to in this year is, I think Samsung came straight out of the gate with it. It might have been Samsung who was first, and it might have been someone else. I could be wrong, but that's not important. Who was first wasn't it important. The fact that's important is that somebody went, you know, somebody did it. I think two people came out with one in 2019, one significantly better than the other, but both of them still not good. And I think if you look at them, when you look at them, they're like, I don't know, 
they're what you would expect a folding phone to look like on its first attempt at being made. Like it's not, you wouldn't buy one, you know, it's not like something that you would walk around with and carry and hold in your pocket and shit like that because you just, I mean, you wouldn't. I mean, realistically, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that for many reasons. But mainly, it it just doesn't seem like it's it's right yet. Like, I've seen a few people saying, I, I agree with it completely. Give it... 2020 is an exciting year because we have this Motorola Razr phone coming out, yeah. So that coming out with its, its uniqueness, kind of, that there isn't really a phone like that out, at least to my knowledge. There will be more phones like that when this comes out, if it sells well. There's going to be more phones like that. And the folding phone, that's already come out. So there's obviously going to be more phones like that. It's just we've already seen, all the companies have already seen the first attempt at it, and they already know the first attempt was shit. So they know what to do and they know what to improve on. That's why. That's one of the exciting technologies for this year. Folding phones. I'm not saying by the end of the year they're going to be the biggest thing and everyone's going to want to have a folding phone. I'm just saying folding phones are going to get better as they go on. As time goes on, folding phones are going to get better because the same way smartphones get better. Smartphones today are much better than the first iPhone, you know? That's just how it goes. Somebody comes out with something and people work on it, people build on it and people develop on it. And that's exactly what's going to happen for folding phones. For phones with the same kind of style as the Motorola X, it's going to get more efficient and just more inviting as more people start to work on it. So that's something that, I mean, I'm at least looking forward to. I I don't know if I'm ever going to get them. I don't know if I'm ever going to get these phones. What I do know is that it's something that's exciting for the world, like for the world of technology, for people to come and to get these if when people get them inevitably. I, just for me being able to see how these work and, and what else is going on, like this is being made now. So obviously there's going to be a better version of this made either by the same company or by a different company in a different way. It's competition that you've got to be excited for, competition and competing with each other, trying to make the best product. That's all these phone companies are trying to do, trying to make the best product, whilst also giving small little markups along the way. That's why, I'm about to, I don't know, I don't even know if anybody's interested in this, but, I mean, from the way I look at it, like, people always complain about iPhones, bringing out a new iPhone every single year or something like Oh, they had the iPhone X, and then it came out with, like, the iPhone 11 not long after. And they said, oh, but there's no massive jumps. It's not like, oh, you go from the iPhone X and you go to iPhone 11, and the iPhone 11 is significantly better and so much different from the iPhone X because it's not. It goes incrementally, like, you had the iPhone X and probably the X, whatever, XS or something, I don't know. The X more fucking letters and words and numbers and all plus and they do this because let's say you buy an iPhone, I don't know, 8, yeah? You buy an iPhone 8. A few months later, the iPhone 8 Plus comes up. And then the iPhone 8S and the iPhone 8 something and iPhone 8 Max. And they're not better than your phone. It's just some of the stuff that's in it is being incrementally improved, improved 
in small amounts along the way. So by the time you get to the iPhone 9, again, it's not massively improved, but it's got all of these improvements from the rest of the iPhone 8 phones. And then going from iPhone 9, it's going to continue with those improvements. And then we get into iPhone 10, down to so iPhone X, XS, whatever. And you're like, oh, it's been a while since I got my iPhone 8. I need to get a new phone. This new phone that you've got, the iPhone X that you buy, has got all of the all of the features that have been added to the phones that have been coming out regularly, incrementally. But you've waited to get the next flagship, to get the next big phone from them. So it's got all of the updates, all of the things that your phone didn't have that in the phones that have been released up until then in this phone. So yeah, you can miss, you can get the iPhone 8 and miss five phones that come out from Apple, but then get the sixth one. And then you've got, you know, just, do you see what I'm saying? That's, I think that's the plan, not the plan, but kind of the point with smartphones is we put out, we put out the iPhone this or the Samsung something, and then we put out different versions of slightly better versions in slightly different ways. And when we come out with the next, a big one, it's got all of these different improvements, all of the actual improvements that actually worked and that was actually going well for the phones. That's what we're going to put in this one. So that's why you're going to get this three years down the line. And, (coughs) excuse me, as opposed to when, if you would have bought that phone and bought another phone that came out three months after it, four months after it, you're not going to notice that big of a difference. But the from the phone that you bought three years ago and you waited, you got this phone, it's a big difference. That's kind of the point of doing it. You know, you can buy a phone at any point, but then the next version of the phones are going to get slightly better so that when you eventually buy another phone, it's a lot better. It can kind of come off as, I don't know. I don't know if that's how to do it, but I think that makes sense to me. I think that's just, logically, that seems like what you would do. I mean, if I had a business, and that's what I would do, you know, I wouldn't just sit down, make a phone, and be like, right, now we're going to sit down for a few years and just make this better. Because, obviously, they're trying to make money, so this is how they make money, by releasing as much shit as they can with little improvements, if not any improvements at all. And just keep putting shit out, wanting to get shit from it, get money from that, and just keep doing, just keep doing it in this cycle. It's effective, and it's clearly effective for Apple because it works. It's clearly effective for most phone companies because that's what most of them do, realistically. Sit Next time, next time a big flagship phone gets released from whatever major smartphone company you're a part of, then... Just just watch. Just watch within the coming months to see what different version of that phone comes within the next year, what different fer- versions of the flagship phone that you got, how many of those come? How many different versions of that with the incremental updates? How many? Because then once you, once you start to pay attention to this, I'm sure... You'll be like, okay, I see what this nigga was talking about. He wasn't talking shit, but, you know, I thought he was at the time. But he wasn't. He was actually onto something. 
It was actually onto something. I was onto something. I am onto something. I'm always onto something. Just like my boxing day, how boxing day is a hustle. Everything's a hustle, man. Everything's a hustle. Just like holidays, you know. I was talking about holidays or a hustle the other day. I'm fucking um, New Year's, you know, like Valentine's Day and all of that. No, no, you're not gonna trick me with it. You're not gonna trick me with it. You're not even gonna. You're not even gonna trick me with my birthday. What birthday? What's that? I don't know. It's like a day I was born on, and it's stupid. I mean, you can give me shit. You can give me presents and shit and attention. But other than that, I'm not going to do anything special. I'm not going to fall in into the plan that the government wants me to. Okay? No. I am not a pawn. I am not a stooge. I am not. Another thing. Moving on. Move Moving on. Moving on, right? Another thing that I've seen. Again, I was just browsing on the internet for just interesting shit. Maybe that's coming in 2020. And I don't know. I don't know. One thing that I've seen. China, right? This isn't even very interesting. This is just something. This is just something I've seen. China it plans to connect Beijing to London via high-speed rail. Not happening. Sorry. I think that's just a bit fucking ridiculous, to be honest. Now, 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 now. China's China's an ambitious country. China's very ambitious, yeah? And honestly, I'm confused as to why you would want to connect it to London as opposed to, like, America. I don't know how, I don't know how far America is from China. Maybe it's, like, the other side of the world or some shit or, like, to America from China or to China from America, there's not as many countries to build a railway through. So that's not likely to happen. I believe... Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I was wrong. So I'm stupid because I was. I just saw the map in my head. Obviously, the whole of fucking Europe is connected, like, all the way up to Asia, where China is. So, of course, it's easy. Well, it's not easy, obviously, but you're just building a railway straight through all these countries. Apparently, it's 17 countries. Apparently. Yeah, apparently, it's 17 countries that this railway would would pass through if it eventually, if it ever inevitably, which, I mean, I doubt it's going to happen, but if it, if it ever happens then it's 17 countries that this railway is going to go through. And from what I can see, it appears to be, a, like I said, 17 countries. That is train, line, tram, whatever, would go through if it ever came to fruition. But, and from what I've seen as well, China says that they would pay for it if they were able to get resources from... All of the countries which would benefit from this, for example, all the countries that the train line will be going through, obviously, in some way, in some way, will benefit from that. If it happened, in some way it would. Because China's like, okay, well, if you want us to, well, we'll, no, we'll pay for it all. You don't have to pay for shit. We just want a few resources. We just want a bit of resources from your country, innit? Because, yeah. 
I don't know if the resources are for the building of that or just give me resources because we're letting this train come through your place. Either way, if this shit ends up getting made this year, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I'm, I'm on it for that. I want to travel to fucking China. And I'm going to take everybody there. Everybody come China with me and it. We'll go China on the, on, on the real quick train and that. Real quick. Real quick China visit. <laughs> yeah. But let's forget about that. Let's forget about that. Right. Next. What, what else is coming up in 2020? Right. Now, for, my, for all you people in England, probably don't give a shit about this, but this is going to be an entertaining time. In 2020, I believe it's the it's, it's, it's the US presidential elections in 2020. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I don't really give a shit and I don't really know much about it. But just like the last time, I remember this shit was a fucking circus, you know. It was a circus. It was. And let's see. Let's see if, it, let's see if the nigga's going to win again. Let's see if this nigga's going to win again. This time... There are a lot of fucking candidates, a lot of candidates in the running. I don't think there are any like major, major, major candidates, but I've seen a few come around, do some, not come around, but I've seen some like on the internet and what they're promising, like someone's promising to give out like 12 grand or something to every single American. To every single American, one of these niggas is going to be like, I'm going to give you all 12 grand for nothing. Okay, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun, a fun time. Well, I don't know about that, especially with the whole fucking World War Three bullshit kicking off right now. You know, with uh, Trump ordered the airstrike, which killed the Iranian, like Iranian, Iraq. I don't know. Someone's like a very important figure in some country. And now they're like, there will be swift retaliation. We're going to retaliate. And then there was all chanting like death to America while burning the picture of the American flag at place. It's fucking crazy. War is gonna happen. But apparently from, from one of the things I seen Well no, I think Tory Lane's put this out. I'm gonna say it from one of the shit that I seen apparently. No. Tory Lane said this, which I mean, if this is true, then it makes perfect sense. I mean Tory Lane's is Canadian, I'm English, but it makes sense if it's true. Tory Lane's basically said, so Donald Trump basically just started a war. Because it's as it's extremely unlikely for a sitting president to be removed from presidency while there's a war going on. Basically, yeah, there's an election coming, so let's start a war because they're not gonna switch the president halfway through a war. Now I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but when I saw Tory Lane say that that well, Donald Trump has started this, and this is going to start a war, and presidents can't be. It's very unlikely that a president's going to be changed during a war. That shit made sense. That shit made sense. I wasn't like, oh wow, we've got it, but I'm like, oh wow, we might have got it. But anyway, yeah, the presidential presidential election is going to be very very fun. It's going to be an interesting time. Probably not even going to pay attention to it all, but you know. The big things will be, they'll get through. They'll get through to you. They'll get through to you and they'll get through to me. Okay, good. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it because it's going to be interesting. 
almost probably more, probably a lot more interesting than the fucking general election were. Okay, then the general elections were for us choosing a fucking prime minister because our fucking prime ministers, they're all so like they they just have no charisma. You know, they they just don't. They just don't. They just can't. I don't know. They just feel fucking uninteresting. You know, I don't even want to support any of them because they just seem boring as fuck. But irrelevant, irrelevant. Let's move on. Another thing coming out. Another thing that's not really that important, or well, depending on your point of view. There is apparently a new Mars rover headed for obviously Mars in late June or early August. Can I go? No. Apparently, there's there is. They're working on it, and from what I can see, this particular rover will go up there and this one's gonna have 23 cameras 23 cameras i don't know how many the first ones had but this one's gonna have 23 and the big difference with this and the first rover is that this rover has two microphones the first one had zero it didn't have any microphones so now i'm sitting thinking this they're going up there to put microphones in the thing to try and listen to like solar winds or some shit. But what if they go and they send it up there and the microphones turn on and all they can hear is just like What is it? I don't know. Should we kick it? Should we go back? We can't. We have to leave it there. Well, they're coming. They're going to break. No, it's just noises. It's just noises. I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe it's underground because I can't see anybody. And the first Mars rover has been up here for a long time and he didn't see anybody. Maybe it's underground that the noises are coming from. How fucking crazy would it be if we sent a fucking Mars rover to Mars with two microphones on it and all we can fucking hear is like, calls like mating calls and like fucking calls are like fighting and screaming and like just animals or some alien shit just fighting each other and just doing some shit you know just some crazy shit i mean we've seen shit up there i mean they tried to deny it but i mean some certain things are a little bit ooh, a little bit weird like what what is this where is this apparently there's water somewhere underground maybe so if it's underground then surely there could be people underground surely that's not out of the question sure i mean no it is under the question it is out of the question because i don't think there are people underground in mars but there's definitely things underground in mars and i think even if they did hear something on the microphones they ain't gonna tell us because what is it they can't prove shit even if they heard anything on the microphone that did not sound like a natural occurring thing like it was made by some organism by some living organism i guarantee they would not tell us that's very very sad and very disappointing i'm gonna move on because this is getting me very worked up okay now moving on i want to talk about first i'm going to talk about right i did this in the wrong order i'm going to talk about ufc right I was going to talk about some of the exciting fights that are coming up in this year, because obviously this is 2020-ish part two. But instead, I'm going to start just by telling you 
Like, I just want to talk about, because while, while I was on the UFC website, I saw UFC fight of the night. What this is, like, they call it the power ranking. So, essentially, all the fights in 2019, which won fight of the night, get ranked as in, okay, but which one was the best? Which ones were the best fights? And I took the top 10. I don't actually know how many there were in total. I got up to, like, 17. I was like, I'm not reading all this because I don't even know most of them. I haven't seen most of them. But luckily, I've seen, like, seven of the top 10. And I know who the majority, like, pretty much everyone except for two people are. So I'm going to tell you some of this, and I don't know, I might talk about it a little bit, but I'm just going to tell you. So the UFC fight of the night... 2019 rankings. So at number 10 is Vincente Luque versus Mike Perry. I have not seen that fight. I cannot comment on it. I can't give you anything on it other than Vincente Luque. This is not his only time that he's going to be on this list. And Mike Perry is very good. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say is good. Kind of like a just a warrior, just a fight, just like a pure, pure fighter, just the way that you want a fighter to be, you know, just just goes out there and fights. So it doesn't make, it doesn't surprise me that this fight made it on that list. Even though I didn't see the fight, but I'm aware of both of those two, and I'm, and I'm sure that no matter when these two face each other, it will be uh, probably a fight of the night contender. Then we get number nine. Tony Ferguson versus Donald Taroni, yeah? And let me tell you about this one, all right? Let me tell you about this one. This fight was a great fight. I mean, Tony won the fight. Tony won. But the reason Tony won wasn't because, like, wasn't because of anything what, like, I knocked you out or, or oh, the referee couldn't let it go on anymore. It was a doctor stoppage. Again, he blew his eye out. Like, from what I remember, he was getting, I wouldn't say he was getting fucked up, but he was taking a lot of damage around his face. And when it gets to, like, when it gets to, like, um, the fucking break, what's it called? I don't even remember. I've so, f- I forgot. When, well, when the hot, when the minute, well, when the round is finished, goes and he sits down and he blows his nose but as he blows his nose his fucking eye pops out like not like pop out like like just falls on the floor but like it kind of like pops out of its socket a little bit like so it's all it's like out like out there not like oh his eye his eyes out and you can see it but that's what happened he blew his nose and his eye kind of popped out a little bit so the fight couldn't continue he was getting not fucked up again, but he was taking a lot of damage. He was taking a lot of hits from 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 Tony. And Tony is powerful, persistent, extremely persistent. And he's not letting up, you know, from what you've seen from Tony, he's very creative and he's not going to let up. He's going to come at you straight away with strength and stamina and speed. I would have liked to see that fight go all the way, though. I really would have liked to see that fight all the, go all the way. So I don't think it was in danger of being stopped. Like, I don't think it was like, oh, that was going to happen, but it was going to happen anyway. Like, it was going to finish. It was going to get finished. No, it wasn't. 
I mean, I don't know. Was he? Maybe. Maybe he was. I don't know. That's not the point. Moving on to number eight. It's Aspen Lad versus Eubank. Yeah. I don't know them either. I don't know who they are. Apparently, it was a good fight, though. I'm not taking anything away from them. They're both ladies. Aspen Lad is a lady. And she's, yeah, Eubanks is a lady. Lady fights are good. This was a good lady fight, apparently. I'm not going to watch it, but... If you have the means to watch Aspen Lad versus Sinjara Eubank, go and watch it. And no, moving on to number seven was Ally Quinton versus Cerrone. Again... I did not see this fight, but I know both of them are. And after reading about what happened in the fight, it seemed like it would have been a pretty fucking incredible fight. Obviously, uh, Ally Quintar, submission specialist, is one of the best submission artists in the in the fucking UFC, if not the best submission artist in the UFC. And then you've got Donald Cerrone, who was the record for the most finishes in the UFC. I think he's had the most fights, and I don't know. I think he's had... I don't know if he's had the most wins. I know he's had the most fights, and he's had the most finishes. He fights a lot. Fights all the time. Fights very often. He just likes to fight. So, for him against Ally Quinta, somebody would... I mean, I'm sure people would assume, oh, he's a submission specialist, and... Donald Cerrone has got pretty good kickboxing and wrestling. He's pretty, pretty good, pretty well mixed, pretty well versed in just martial arts, just mixed martial arts. So you would think I like Quinta Shirley is going to take him to the ground. I don't know if he tried to. I don't know if he did that a lot. But apparently this was the first time he'd ever been dropped in this fight against Cerrone. 2019, he got dropped. And then recovered. Went on to the final bell. Obviously, it went, I think, not not obviously, but it went in Cerrone's way for the decision. But it was pretty, uh, again, I didn't watch it, but it seemed to be pretty interesting and pretty entertaining. And then at number six, at number six, we have um, Anderson Silva versus Adesanya versus Israel Adesanya. What do we have to say about this fight? It was... Exactly what you expected it to be. It wasn't anything less than what you expected it to be or anything more even. Especially, especially if you take into consideration that uh, Anderson Silva was not at the fucking heights of Anderson. So Anderson Silva was not Anderson the Spider Silva. No, it wasn't that. He was... Anderson Silva, the guy who is a legend, but is clearly past his prime. I think it was the Chris Weidman defeats that took him past his prime, as he stated. You know? <laughs> Again, the first Chris Weidman defeat, he got knocked out while celebrating. I mean, while showboating. I'm not making an excuse saying, oh, what, duh, 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 but he got knocked out while showboating. And he wasn't, like, dominated. He wasn't, like, dominating the fight up until that first point anyway, up until that point. Then we get to the second fight of them, where Anderson Silva snaps his leg on Chris Weidman's leg as he goes to kick his leg, and Chris Weidman checks it, and it snaps Anderson Silva's leg in half. 
It was horrible. It was fucking horrible. Anyway, I didn't watch it live, but I've seen it. And now, imagine being there. Imagine being Chris Weidman and like putting your leg up and he kicks your leg and it's like the snaps around your leg. That's scary. Anyway, Anderson Silva versus Adesanya at number six was a good fight. It was a good kickboxing fight. They both showed respect to each other after you could tell Adesanya had massive amounts of respect for Anderson Silva and took pleasure in the fact that just just in the fact that he could face him. Because I saw somebody saying that, oh, this is like Anderson Silva passing on the fucking passing the torch to Adesanya, you know, you you go. And I saw someone say yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying, but it's not like that because Anderson Silva, what he isn't at the top anymore. He wasn't at the top to begin with, you know. He'd been beat before Michael Bisping and Chris Weidman, and he, he'd been getting beat. He was no longer at that position, so it couldn't have been passing the torch. And I was like, I disagree. I disagree. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying in the sense that, yeah, Anderson Silva is not that guy anymore. He's not. And when he fought Adesanya, he wasn't. He lost to Bisping. He lost to Wyman. I'm sure he lost a few more people before that, after that. But the point is, he was still and is still considered one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest to do it at that weight because of what he did. So to say... No, he can't be passing the torch because of this. No, he is passing the torch to this guy because he's seen him and he's respected him as, you know, you could be the the new me. I'm not saying he specifically said this, but in a way of just watching them, they they have similar, they have similar, not exactly the same, but similar ways of fighting. And so, for Anderson Silva, he could look at this like, oh, I want to fight this guy, and, and then he goes and fights him and he beats him, and he's like, okay, you are. The new me. I believe you can do what I was doing then, now. You know? In, just in that sense. So in that sense, yeah, I feel like he was passing the torch down to him. And that was an extremely good, respectful, and competitive fight. Number five. Number five, we move on to a fight that we spoke about not too long ago. Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. Personally, I would have put this higher than number five. I, I really would have put this... At, Maybe number three, or maybe even number two, actually. But, oh well. I would have put it up there. I think Costa versus, no, I think Usman versus Covington was a great fight. I mean, I've already spoke about this before, so I don't know how many things I can say without just rehashing it, but it was fucking, it, you know, sometimes you get a lot of fights and there's a lot of hype so the fight's like, oh, this fight's going to be so good, da, 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 da. And then you watch the fight, and it really just doesn't live up to it. It really just doesn't live up to all the hype that it was given. This was not one of those fights. This was one of those fights that deserved more hype than it got. This deserved to be one of the biggest fights of the decade, in my opinion, was how good this fight was. It was so big and, like, just raw, like, just raw fighting. Like, yeah, we're going out and we're UFC fighters and we're predominantly, both of us, predominantly wrestlers. But we're going to go out there and we're going to scrap. We are going to throw down. We are going to stand, throw fists at each other 
and whatever happens, happens. Given that Kobe broke his jaw sometime in after the second round, third round, whenever. And Kobe Kobe stayed in it and Usman just did what he had to do, just put him put him just put a work on him. And eventually it just became too much for Kobe until Kobe just couldn't handle it anymore. Well not to say he couldn't handle it anymore, but you know. A crack in the armor started to show. Started breaking and Usman just took a sledgehammer to it and just started just pounding it in. Just bang, bang, bang. He wanted to get inside. He wanted to break him open. Obviously, Kobe Covington had disrespected Kamara Usman quite a lot. And even though Kobe Covington, I'm sure, was looking at it as though, like, not as, oh, this is just business. In the same way that Conor McGregor used to look at it, you know, with fucking Khabib and shit every time. He used to say some shit and then... Connor would be like, oh, it's just business when they was fighting. I could tell that uh, I don't think for Colby, it was like as much of that. It was like, oh, I'm going to stick to that fuck you thing. And for Kamaru, even if it was just business for you, nah, no. You know, the same way for Khabib, I'm going to go in and put it on you for what you've been saying about me because I'm not taking it. I waited and I waited and I waited and now was my chance and now I'm going to put it on you and they put it on him. Kamaru put it on Colby on this day. Colby just, just, I don't know. It wasn't enough for him on this day. Was not enough for my dog, Kamaru Usman. Now, after this, I think we have like two Nigerian, like two Nigerian champions in, um, in UFC. We've got obviously Adesanya, Nigerian champion. And you've got Kamaru Usman as well, also Nigerian champion. Both of them from Nigeria, moved to a different country, grew up raised in that country. So, obviously, Kamaru Usman raised in America. Israel Adesanya raised in New Zealand. But both of them come from Nigeria. So, they're really representative for Nigeria, really representative for the Negroes, really representative for us niggas. I'm, I'm down. I'm supporting both of you. I hope you can do it. I hope you can run with it. And I hope you don't lose. Yet, unless to another black guy first. Yeah. After Kamaru Usman versus Colby, you might already guess this because I kind of slipped up. Wait, it's Paulo Costa versus Romero. Yoel Romero. Yoel Romero. Paulo Costa. That was a fantastic fight. I must say, I must say, I was very impressed. I must stop. I was very impressed. From both of them. I mean, uh, we all know about Yoel Romero. Romero. Yoel Romero. He's incredible. Incredible, incredible. Crazy speed. Power. Explosiveness. Wrestling ability off the charts. And Paulo Costa. Uh, just. Great size, great body, just great fundamentals, just great at working you to my way, you know. Great I'm great at working you in, in, in a way that I wanna work you. But again, this was very much a back and forth. Paulo Costa versus Joel Romero. Very much a back and forth. They were very much just like back and forth at it. Yeah. There were a couple like Maybe low blows or maybe not, but 
is what it is. You know, you know what you're gonna get when you go, when you go for these and Paul Cosa versus Romero. It could have gone either way. From what I'm thinking, anyway. Excuse me. From what I'm thinking, I wouldn't have been surprised if Romero got it because it definitely wasn't like domination for Costa. I mean, yeah, sure. You you would say he was on the foot most of the time. I mean, Costa was on the front foot most of the time. Joel Romero foot for the majority of the fight was on his back foot, but that doesn't to me doesn't say Paulo Costa was winning the majority of the fight. He won a lot of the fights, but I think the fact that he was getting backed up so that fact that Joel Romero was getting backed up so much, whilst not really taking all too all that much damage, probably giving back just as much as he was taking. I think they both got wobbled. It was it was fucking intense. It was an intense fight. It was insane. I loved it. I actually I've this that's one of the few fights I've actually watched like prior to it actually happening. I don't often watch a fight live and then watch it again. But this was so entertaining that I had to watch that shit again. I just had to watch it again. I've watched it maybe three times since then and i'm after talking about it now i'm probably gonna watch it again i'm probably gonna go watch it again it's really good it's really good anyway anyway go watch it please please go watch uh paulo costa versus Joel romero and i'm gonna move on to number three which is oh yeah this is a good one holloway versus poirier two max holloway um, featherweight champion, I think. I think, I think, I think he's at featherweight. He's not the champion anymore, but at this point, he was. He might not even be featherweight. I may be lying, but I believe it is featherweight. So you know, don't whatever. He comes against Poye too. This was for the lightweight interim title, as. The winner was going to fight Khabib. After watching this fight, I am really glad Max Holloway did not get to fight Khabib. He would have got fucking dominated. And I mean dominated. You see Max Holloway in this fight. If you go and watch Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier too, you will see the fucking size difference doesn't even look fair. It really looks like Let's say Max is a featherweight again. He might be, he might not, I don't know. But it really looks like like a featherweight going up against like a middleweight or something. It looks so much like bigger than him and just thicker and just muscly or just muscly but more powerful. It just looks like he he's more powerful and that's not just physically as well. That's not just like visually, oh look at you and you've got a like oh yeah, a lot bigger than him. But it was in the fight, in the fight with with punches, with strikes. Dustin just looked more powerful. He just looked like he was meant to be there. And you could tell Max Holloway was not meant to be there. He'd moved up a weight. He moved up a weight. He wasn't meant to be there. He didn't even look any bigger than he does. Like featherweight. He didn't look any bigger than he normally does. So me, me watching it, I was like, okay, I really like Max, but I think he's going to get absolutely squashed and he kind of did i mean he kind of did it was 
again, it was a good fight. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like I said, Max Holloway coming in and just getting absolutely squashed. It was Max Holloway coming in, fighting how he fights normally, but normally fights featherweights at his featherweight weight, not lightweights. You know, not someone who's a fucking heavier weight who hits harder, stronger, just heavier than you. And you could tell that throughout the fights, as much victory as Max might have been having, you could tell it just wasn't doing to Dustin what Dustin was doing to him. And the winner of that fight obviously went on to face Khabib and Dustin he did put on a DC, put on an okay performance against Khabib. Not the best, not the worst, not the best. Oh, and it might have been, it might have been the best. I don't know. It was good for you. Put on a great performance against Khabib. Didn't have Khabib in trouble, trouble, but you, you know, he had him in some compromising positions. Some very, very compromising positions. Couldn't capitalize on him. Couldn't do much to him. But there you go. Moving on to number two, we have a fight I have not seen again. Is Vincente Luque versus Barberina? You know, I told you when we first seen him at number ten, it was not gonna be the last time that we see him. Luque, Luque, that is Vincente Luque. Uh, I believe he was also somewhere at like twelve or thirteen as well. He pretty impressive fighter, and um, yeah. Again, I have not seen it, so oh no, and. Even more than the Mike Perry and Vincent A. Luque fight, the Luque versus Barberina fight was just two fighters going in to fight each other. That's what again, I haven't seen this one, but that's what uh that's what impresses me. Just about looking at it and seeing that it's number two on the um fight of the night rankings for the for the Fucking, I don't even know what it's called, but it's number two for the best fight. Essentially, the best fight of the night fights from last year. All the fights I've awarded fight of the night. This is number two. And for some of you who know about UFC, know about the fights, you're probably wondering why the hell haven't you mentioned Gastelum versus Adesanya? Well, of course, that's because it's number one. Gastelum versus Adesanya won. The number one fight of the night fight last year. So basically the best fight last year. And I think. I think many people will agree. Gaston versus Adesanya had one of if not the best fights last year. It was back and forth. Both of them had success. Both of them didn't have. Both of them had like troubling times. Both of them were in compromising positions. Both of them were getting caught. Adesanya's face looked worse than, I mean, I, again, I'm saying looked worse, but it was just swollen, like, around some places, and just, it, it wasn't like he'd been cut up and fucked up loads, but it was just kind of swollen. Um, ultimately, I think it was the height difference that got the best of Gastelum from Adesanya, and uh, I don't, I don't actually even, I re- oh my god, this is embarrassing, I don't remember if he finished it or if it went to the cards. I don't remember, but either way, it was it was amazing to see Adesanya go up against Gastelum like that. I think I think that was after the 
Silva fight. Might have been after the Silva fight, or it might have been just before it. But either way, Gastelum, had, I think, fought before that. Michael Bisping knocked him out. And Adesanya, again, fought Silva before that. Didn't finish him. But it was clearly a, a very technical striker going up against someone who's a very technical striker, but extremely powerful. I mean, with um, Adesanya, Adesanya with the extremely technical strikes and Gastelum really with the power you could see that you could see he had a lot of power in his hands when he was you know stumbling Adesanya and wobbling him and had really had him in trouble a few times there definitely can't lie about that so Gastelum versus Adesanya wins for the UFC fight night fight year it was a good fight I'm definitely not going to argue with the decision to make it a fight night number one I it would definitely be in the top three. I'm not even saying it wouldn't be number one, but wow. If you haven't seen that fight, I'm sure it's on YouTube right now. Go and fucking watch Gastelum versus Adesanya on UFC. Go. Why are you even still listening to this? Go away. Go and watch it now. Because I'm going to move on, right? I'm going to fucking move on. We're coming up to the end, but as we're coming up to the end, I'm just going to talk about more UFC again. I'm going to talk about some of the fights that are coming up in the year that I'm looking forward to. Well, the ones that have been announced in a way for the first quarter. For the first quarter. At least the ones I'm looking forward to, not every single fight. Right. So, we start off with UFC. 246. On January 18th, the return of Conor McGregor versus Cowboy Cerrone. This is, I think, one of the fights I'm, well, probably the fight I'm most excited for. Just, well, I don't even know if most excited is the word. I'm probably not. It's just, it's, it's Conor McGregor's returning, you know. I mean, I know he lost against Khabib last time, but I mean, everyone loses against Khabib, and I don't even think he was. Really in that right mind state, mindset that I don't think he was training as he was when he was doing what he was doing to fucking Jose Aldo or Eddie Alvarez or even the fights with Nate Diaz. I don't think he was training for the Khabib fights the same way he was for that. That's just based off me hearing some interviews of him and his coach saying that this is the best that he's been. He's back to that old corner. Back that he's best that he's been in a while and he's back to being the old him and and this. And if that's true, then I definitely hope it is true because old Connor was and was a good fight. He was a wrecking machine, you know. He would just put people out. Just put people out and put people down. Against Cerrone, though, let's not get confused that Donald Cerrone doesn't have a chance because I've seen a lot of shit on the internet really just discounting him. Really discounting Donald Cerrone. Just not even taking into account the fact that he's even there for the fight. Excuse me. But he is. And he's extremely dangerous for Connor. I don't even think Connor would have taken this fight if he didn't think it was going to be a challenging fight for him. You know, Donald Cerrone, again... Like I was saying earlier, 
He's got the most finishes in the UFC. He's had some of the most. I think I think he's had the most fights in the UFC. He might be wrong, but even still, he's had a lot more fights than Conor McGregor. He's had a lot more experience. That's not saying that Conor McGregor's not experienced because he's very experienced. I'm just saying Donald Cerrone has many, many, many ways to victory for this. He has many ways for victory in this fight. Many ways to to win the fight. It's just especially especially with this fight being a welterweight instead of the lightweight, like they both naturally are. They both like not, they're both lightweights. They fight in lightweight generally, and right now they're not. They're fighting at welterweight, which from when I seen an interview with Conor McGregor, he said, oh, it's the weight that I'm walking around at now, so why cut weight for the 155 fight to go to 155 after when that fight's, like, that fight's not yet? I'm walking around at 170 now, and I do this fight at 170 so I can cut down to that fight. I... I well, the way he explained it didn't really fucking make any sense to me, to be honest. It was just like, yeah, I'm walking around at 170, so I'm just going to fight at 170. That's what that, that's what it appeared to be. That's what it appeared to be the situation that he was talking about. And Dana White even said, we're treating this like it's a 155 fight that they're not cutting weight for. This is a lightweight fight that they're not cutting weight for. Mm, but it's not really a lightweight fight. But okay. Okay, no, we'll say it's a lightweight fight that they're not cutting weight for. And, yeah, so Cerrone, I think, has had more experience. No, Cerrone has definitely had more experience, especially at welterweight. Especially at welterweight, where McGregor is... I don't know if he's fought twice or once. I believe it was the Nate Diaz fight. I think maybe the first one, because... I don't think Nate Diaz could have got down to weight for 155 or maybe the second one. Look, either way, it was either the first one or the second one. If it was the first one, then we saw what happened. He lost. If it was the second one, well, second one, he won, but it it was what it was. I... I don't know who I'm rooting for in this fight because obviously there's a bunch of reasons to not like Conor McGregor and there's a bunch of reasons to love Donald Cerrone. I mean, Donald Cerrone is just, if anybody deserves like a big payday, it's Donald Cerrone. He's like one of the best people, like just just fighters. Not like one of the best fighters, like, oh, he's such a good fighter, but he's a good person who is a fighter. Like, he's one of the best at being just, a human, you know. So, I'm def. I'm actually rooting for them both. I want. I want them both to win. Anyway, moving on the next, the next one that's at least of interest to me. Anyway, it's not the very next fight after that, but the next big card that's of interest for me is John Jones the Goat versus Dominic Reyes. What what? What do we have to say about this? I mean, I don't know. John Jones just wins, like he just beats people. He just be he just beats people, except for the one time that he got disqualified. But he, he just wins. If this fight goes, if 
I'll say if this fight goes a different way than I expect it to, which is John Jones winning by any way, then I will come here and I will let you all know that I was wrong. Yeah. That's something I actually really don't like to do because it rarely happens. But if I'm wrong, I will come here and I will let you all know that I'm wrong, even though it's very unlikely. But count yourself lucky because I will do it. Anyway, John Jones is one of, if not the single best mixed martial artists of all time. And I don't think, I don't even know how that's up for quite, I mean, well, no, I do. I do know because of the opicogram stuff and, you know. But no one can ever, we will never know the extent of that. You know, we will never know the extent. We will never know if if he was lying or if they was lying for him or if just, he was telling the truth. They were all telling the truth because we just won't know. I mean, maybe we will know. Maybe we will know. Maybe we do know. Maybe there's been some other things that have come out and that I'm not completely aware of. But my point being, I still think John Jones is one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time. You would have to put it with an asterisk there, but he's absolutely one of the best absolutely one of the best because if he wasn't he's not now and he's still winning still winning maybe he's not winning as definitively as he was before but he's still winning and let's not forget the fact he's getting older not saying oh he's getting old but he's getting older and he's been fighting for a long time i think he's been fighting he's been champion since he was like 21 Let that sink in. John Jones has been UFC champion since he was like 21. And he's now like in his 30s. So, of course, yeah, yeah. He's not that old. He's not that old. I mean, a lot of fighters are in their prime when they're his age. The age that John Jones is at now is the age that a lot of fighters peak, reach their prime. I'm not saying John Jones like isn't, but... I mean, it's pretty clear that John Jones isn't as good as he once was. Not saying John Jones isn't good anymore, but John Jones used to win a lot more definitively against high-level competition. High-level competition. So, and I don't even want to count out this Dominic Reyes. I just don't really know who he is. I don't really know too much about him. I mean, I know he was on the Ultimate Fighter that I don't think he won. Uh, then he got out and then Somehow ended up coming back through to the UFC. And he's done some pretty good things. He used to be an American football player, I think, where he... Um, I don't know. He just used to be... I'm trying to. Th- I'm just trying to remember stuff to try and make this seem like, you know, yeah, there's a chance. But everyone who goes up against John Jones to fight John Jones is like, oh, I can beat John Jones. I know I can beat John Jones. And they never do. And they can't. And they don't. So... Yeah. Let's hope though. Let's not hope because I don't hope John Jones gets beat. I want John, I, I want John Jones to win and retain his title and go up to heavyweight. But let's hope that Reyes can at least put on a an interesting performance against him. Also, co-headline in that event is Valentina Shevchenko versus Kathleen Chukagian. Chukagian. Chukag. Caitlin versus Caitlin. And um 
Valentina Shevchenko is going to win. Let's just leave it there. Valentina Shevchenko is the second greatest female fighter in the UFC right now. As opposed to Amanda Nunes, who is the greatest of all time. The greatest female fighter and 100% in, in, in conversation for the, the greatest fighter of all time. Valentina Shevchenko is number two in the female fighters. Having that, the only person she's ever lost to is Amanda Nunes. I want to see that rematch. I want to see the third. They've voted three times, and apparently the second time was a lot closer than the first time. But I want to see the rematch because I, I root for Valentina Shevchenko. I don't know why. I think it's just because she's kind of fit, you know. Maybe I just, she's just what I want, you know. I like that. I like that blonde Russian bitch. Chick, girl, she fine. She fine. After that, we have on February 22nd. Oh, did I forget the dates? McGregor versus Cerrone is on January the 18th. Uh, John Jones versus Reyes and Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin is on February the 8th. And then on February the 22nd, we have Daniel Hookup versus Paul Felder. Now, these two aren't two giant names, but this is a fight that's going to be a fight. Like, you know, you know, there are some times where you might go into a boxing fight or a UFC fight and be like, oh, I don't know if this is going to be very interesting. It might just be, you know, like, oh, they're just, they're just too, too, like, canceling each other out. They, they're they not really doing anything or, oh, they just grab playing too much and they're not really even working to better their position or to get out of the grapple. They're just staying there. I'm telling you, this is not going to be one of those fights. This is going to be a fight. February 22nd, UFC Fight Night, Hooker versus Felder. I don't have anything else to say about this fight other than go and watch it. It's bound to not let you down. It's bound to be a good fight and it's bound to be worth it, whatever it is. After that, after that, March 7th, UFC 248, we have Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek for the championship. I think it's a strawweight or something like that. Weili Zeng is current, I think, strawweight champion. And Joanna Janjacek is obviously going to go and try and take that offer. Joanna Janjacek was, for a while, considered as the best female fighter of all time until she got beat by Rose. And then got beat a few times after that as well. But Joanna Janjacek, don't get it twisted, is absolutely a great fighter. She's an incredible female fighter. She's just a bit too ag- she's a bit too aggressive. Like I don't know if she's still kept that aggressiveness even after she lost her title, but she was always a bit too aggressive. Like oh wow, calm down. Like <clears throat> like yo, <laughs> I would I would always remember thinking like yo, fam, she's going she's going far. Like she's she's really going in, and she was cheesy as fuck, just like all the other fucking guys that aren't Conor McGregor. I'm not saying they're all trying to be Conor McGregor, but Conor McGregor was the only one that did it. That, kind of seemed like it was natural in my opinion anyway i may be wrong but whaley whaley zhang versus joanna whaley zhang champion joanna ex-champion two high level fighters going up against each other let's see it let's see it is all i can say let's just see this fight and then march 28th we have francis and versus jay zinho rosenstruck now, 
I don't know who this Rosenstruck guy is. I think. Oh wait, no, I do. I think he's the guy that fucked up fucking Alistair Overeem's face the other day, the other week. Do you remember when he had that big cut? He had that big cut in his lip, like the shit was like split, like clean open, like clean, clean open. The shit was just split, just split. That was that was Rosenstruck who did that. Now let's not also forget, Ngannou was the one that snapped Alistair Overeem's fucking head. 100 percent 100 100 degrees backwards bang one big uppercut and his head just went straight backwards that shit finished him francis Ngannou is 100 percent the most powerful striker the ufc has ever seen 100 percent 100 percent i would actually like to see him in boxing against you know if he was a significantly better boxer against like Tyson Fury or Anthony Judge or Deontay Wilder against them. I'd like to see him that because he's clearly, clearly packs a punch. Packs a punch. He just finishes, guy. He just finishes niggas, man. He just pushed them out. Big, big black man. Fucking them all up, man. He does not give a fuck. All right, Francis. And then obviously Rosenstruck, after seeing what he did to uh, Alistair, it's possible. But again, I get the feeling Francis is going to finish him with a with a swift one. With a swift one. It's going to be a doot doot bang and he's going to be out. I'm telling you, I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him. I mean, Ngannou could always lose. He lost against Stipe. But I don't know. He's got a lot better since then. And Stipe was the champion. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. Francis is going to win. Rosenstruck, I hope you don't die. Actually, I hope you can come put up a great fight against him. Mm, but it's risky. It's risky and it's, and it's unlikely. Anyway, it's not even unlikely. It's likely. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. I'm just talking shit. Don't even hold it against me. I can hear, I can hear you judging me right now. I'm just thinking... Why? I don't see it. I don't see the point in it. I think Ngannou's going to win. I don't think Rosenstruck is going to win. I think he's going to do good. But, yeah, okay. Anyway, 249, UFC 249, April 18th. We have Khabib and Tony if this shit does not get cancelled for the fifth time. That's not even an exaggeration. For the fifth time. It's been cancelled, I think, four times before this. Maybe three. But it's been cancelled before. It's been cancelled. It's been made, scheduled, and cancelled plenty of times. Maybe even more time. Maybe more times than any other fight in the UFC. I don't know about the world, about in any other boxing or whatever. But it's been cancelled. It's been, it's been planned and it's been cancelled more times than, you know, something... That doesn't happen a lot. But Khabib versus Tony is one of the big, I think, one of the biggest fights this year. I mean, it's fucking Khabib versus Tony. This fight has been trying to be made for so long. And Khabib, I don't know. Khabib is undeniably one of the best fighters in the UFC. But what does he do? He just squashes you up against the cage. He just squashes you up against the cage. That's literally it. 
<clears throat> excuse me, I know he has a lot. He has some, he has decent boxing. Nothing too special. M- m- the only thing special about Khabib is, well, not, let me not say the only thing. That's that's gonna say, but the main special thing about Khabib is the fact that he's just gonna fucking ram you up against the cage and just smash your face in. You know, that's pretty much it. He's just gonna put you up against the cage and smother you for the whole fight unless he can finish you. If he can finish you, then he's gonna finish you. But you better be looking out for the fact that Khabib is gonna get you against the cage. I've heard people say he's the best grappler in the whole of UFC, in the whole of the MMA. And I say, show me, prove it. Put him in a, in the middle of a mat and show me him being the best grappler because the best grappler would not do what the best... <laughs> the best grappler in the in the UFC would not do what Khabib did when he tried to fucking take Connor down. Remember in the first fight, well, in fact, I think it was like the first round or something. It might have been the first or second round, I don't know. But he tried to take him down in the fucking middle of the ring and he couldn't even get him down. He couldn't get him down in the middle of the ring. Now, he could get his leg to eventually push him all the way up to the cage. And and when that happened, the fight was done. But until that happened, the fight was a fight. It was a fight. So... No, I don't think Khabib is the best grappler in the UFC. I think he's one of the most dominant, strongest, you know, just forces. But I, I'm saying he's the best. This I don't know. I don't know if he can beat. If he can genuinely, if he can beat Tony, because I've always felt Tony has the skills to beat Khabib, absolutely. And if he can't do that, then I guess I was right. Tony does have the skills to beat Khabib. Again, I genuinely feel like Tony has the skills to beat Khabib. I don't feel like there's anyone better matched for Khabib than Tony, except for maybe Justin Gaethje. I could absolutely, I can one hundred percent see Justin Gaethje beating Khabib as well. But obviously, we know if Khabib wins this, then he's got Connor. If Connor wins, Cowboy. But again, like I keep saying, I genuinely think. Tony Ferguson is going to be the one to upset Khabib Nurmagomedov. <laughs> okay. Khabib Nurmagomedov. All right? It's not that fucking hard to say. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. It's all right. You're forgiven. Anyway, Khabib versus Tony. 20... F- no. Khabib versus Tony, April 18th. And Garnu versus Rosenstruck, March 28th. March 7th, Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna Janjacek. Hooker versus Felder, February 22nd. Valentina Shevchenko versus Caitlin Jones versus Reyes, February the 8th. And McGregor versus Cerrone, January the 18th. We have a great first quarter of fights coming up. I hope you enjoy them because I definitely will. And until the next time, bitches, I'm out. Oh.